0: You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We, the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode, number 335, we're discussing Andor. Alright guys, you have got me on a solo podcast this week. That is right, it is Tim and we're here to talk Star Wars this week. It's going to be somewhat of a shorter one as I'm coming off the back end of COVID and a stomach bug, and so it's been a difficult few weeks here to make time, to find time, to be healthy enough to podcast, but hopefully myself, Carlos, and the crew we are going to be back at the mics here with some consistency as we've been promising in the not-too-distant future as life has calmed down, but unfortunately due to this COVID and the stomach flu, I was unable to record this past week in any sort of Formal capacity, and we we're unable to do last week's Toy Stream Live. The debut episode had to be postponed because I could not get off the couch. But feeling much better now and very excited to talk about Star Wars again. It has been a minute since Star Wars has taken a front seat on this podcast, and what better way to get back into discussing Star Wars than talking about the newest show debuting today? on disney plus and that is Andor. this is a story this is a tv show that we have been waiting for for quite some time we heard about this a couple of years ago and often questioned what it was going to be about how are we going to see more of this story that we saw told to its conclusion inside of rogue one now rogue one remains for myself and many as one of the best if not the best star wars story put to big screen and so it was very welcomed to hear that we're going to get more from the main character, and that are one of the main characters in that, in Castian Andor, a story set five years before Rogue One, and we're going to get to see that origin of Cassian, as well as some of the origins of the rebellion. Now we've seen the origin of the rebellions told in many different stories. Now whether that is a New Hope in some capacity, all the way through Rebels. Rogue One, we've seen seeds of this consistently throughout the last couple of, or at least the last decade of storytelling inside of Lucasfilm. And now they have not told a definitive version of The Start of the Rebellion. Is there really a definitive version? This is about multiple groups coming together to form. Something by the time we get to the Battle of Yavin, and maybe just a bit before that. But Andor had promised us a return to the grittiness, a return to the underbelly of a galaxy far, far away. And something that we maybe haven't seen, a little removed from the storytelling of the Force, the Skywalker saga. Even the Mandalorian stuff that we've seen over the last couple of years is somewhat more on the fantastical side of Star Wars. This promised a different type of story, and the trailers really did promise that, with an aesthetic that was different from what we had seen, and also a setup in the style of storytelling that was different from what we've seen in the past. The six to eight episodes seems to be the wheelhouse of Disney+, and Andor is jumping out to a full 12 episodes, 24 if you include the confirmed two seasons that we are getting. And coming into the show, I'd assume that these episodes, because we were getting 12 of them, We're going to be on the order of 20 to 25 minutes. But no, we're getting full 30 to 45 minute episodes inside of this first season of Andor, which means we're getting a lot of Star Wars story being told. Now, as we walked into this, there was a lot of conjecture, a lot of discussion online as to how good was this going to be? I think other Star Wars stories being told on Disney Plus have hit... In various capacities, but for me personally, Kenobi in the book of Boba Fett felt incomplete, unrefined, if you will. I was looking for something that was a bit more holistic in its storytelling and didn't lean on the Star Wars too, too much. What came before? I love stories set inside of this universe, but that don't use the universe as a crutch to make you want to see more. You want more of the character development. You want more of the story to drive your interest with the little things that we do see, the Imperial emblems or Stormtroopers or even characters we're familiar with being a piece of that, but not the piece that is driving the narrative forward just because it's in Star Wars, just because we're seeing Stormtroopers that we need to see more of this. No, I want to see a bigger story told about the seeds of the Empire, the seeds of the Rebellion, and how that really develops into Rogue One, A New Hope. And so I just finished the first three episodes here. So I'm coming pretty hot off the heels of my first watch of this. And so I'm trying to give the most raw reaction I can to this. And so you have to excuse me if I miss pieces. We will dig deeper into it as we go through this into episode six nine twelve as we get towards the end of this and see how it really develops here but first things first for me I have to say I absolutely love this now this isn't a show that you go into and it's bombastic it's banging it's fast this is a super slow burn show and the thing that drew me in almost immediately beyond Cassian Andor is the aesthetic of this the music and the aesthetic. This embraces more than I think really any show has is the look and feel of what it was like to create Star Wars in the 1980s, at the end, the late 70s. They really took to heart this look. And I think that that makes the story feel so much more connected and more real than what we have seen in the past. They, they've they always made an effort, I think, inside of Lucasfilm is to connect to the look and the feel of Star Wars through the use of the technology of the time. And so you look at a lot of this and you're thinking, okay, this is supposed to be advanced and moving quicker and holograms and all this type of thing. They don't really go too deep into that. They really embrace the look of the 1970s computers and what George Lucas put to screen there as being kind of quote-unquote advanced for the time. And I think that's what really draws me in. This feels like it was made in the early 80s and the look of the costumes the use of british actors which is something that is very very prominent to me and i think connects you in a certain way to star wars but they really leverage that in here which i really do enjoy and you know the 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 way that the the grays and the whites and the browns the way that's all kind of used inside of this I think it really works aesthetically, and it, it really draws me, and that's something that I, that I absolutely loved about this. It, it feels Star Wars, but it doesn't necessarily have to be set in that universe, and that's something that I thought was really cool kind of from an aesthetic perspective of what I'm seeing in this. And, you know, I said slow burn here. We don't see a Stormtrooper. We see very at-arms-reach references to a wider galaxy, But this just feels like another planet out there. And this doesn't necessarily need to be set in the Star Wars universe. This is just a story that's being told. The seeds of a rebellion. And you're seeing that and they use that here. I love that they did not go full on into stormtroopers. Them being the pursuing force of Cassian. They go to this corporate security group that is pursuing Andor because of a crime he committed against them. And kind of seeing a different sort of policing force is very welcome to me because you go straight into the Imperial, you go straight into the being pursued by stormtroopers, And I think you do fall back into that universe in a way that maybe isn't as organic. It it just becomes Imperial versus Cassian. And I like this way that they've taken, you know, these blue suits with what is likely eventually going to be someone that does find themselves in the leading commander there in the, Imperial ranks, but kind of using this as a buffer between our true empire and the rebellions and Cassian is is kind of a cool way to start. And I really appreciated how that slow burn really worked for me. This felt like I was watching a book come to life. If you've ever read Catalyst, which was the book that led into. Rogue One. I kept thinking back to that. I kept thinking to the idea and the concept, the way that things were set up, the different characters, the looks of the different characters. It all felt like a book being absolutely and wonderfully translated onto the small screen. And I really appreciated that more so than I have for really any show in the last little bit about how much it really just felt like they were taking the time to develop everything around you to make the story feel more whole and the story itself being told in these first three episodes it's, a, it's actually a wonderful three episode arc. I'm very pleased that they release the first three episodes here because it feels like in and of itself, it feels like a, an arc. It feels like a few chapters, are linked together, a prologue, if you will, to maybe even a bigger story where it does give you a little bit of background of where Cassian came from his, you know, initial interaction with Imperials and what they did to his planet and how that's mirrored into, the, especially the third episode, mirrored into that with his mother or his adoptive mother and how him leaving is very reminiscent of of what of him leaving his planet originally and, and her feeling that, her feeling that this is the last time she has seen her son but also showing that, that she and herself and some of the traits that Cassian likely takes with them have been instilled by her and her letting him go It's kind of a nice pivot point for Cassian and him taking the next steps into into this growing rebellion and and seeing all of that kind of in and around Stellan Skarsgård character too who who carries a prominence with him and that's that's you know this is this goes down to casting and this goes down to the ability to work an audience using your characters and your casting is that we only that's that's the most prominent actor outside of of Diego Luna in this and so with that he kind of commands a presence on the screen when he shows up you actually you're you're watching him right you're watching him more so than maybe what's going on around you and that that is a good thing and also can be a problem if you're using too many recognizable actors inside of it is they command the screen so much you want to use those sparingly you want to use those individuals sparingly and i think they do that really well Stellan skarsgard here and he plays great opposite of Cassian because he he has to immediately be believable as someone that is quote unquote good, that is part of the rebellion, right? You can't spend a whole bunch of time trying to give a backstory to him. You just have to assume and run with it. And casting a character actor like Stellan Skarsgard in this role allows you to make that immediate leap there, make that leap believable for both the audience that has experienced it almost in real time with Diego Luna's Cassian. And I don't know what more is there to say about this other than the fact that I I really, really love this. I think that, that Star Wars and the way that they're leveraging Disney Plus is going to be something that they continue to do, but also something that they have to do very well in these ne- next couple of series. You know, we, we've seen things and criticisms thrown at the MCU and thrown at even Star Wars in the past, and I've done so. Um, In a a way where I feel like the shows that were written for Disney Plus and written specifically to be TV shows are the ones that are landing Mandalorian and right here with Andor the ones that seems to have been translated from what eventually would have been a big screen adaptation of Boba Fett or of Obi-Wan are the ones that don't feel like they land. I feel like they're about moments. They feel feel like they're about getting characters to certain parts of the universe for certain things to happen that make you go, whoa! And then the stuff in between just, just doesn't work as well. Where the shows that are written specifically for TV seem to take those in-between moments and do something quite special with them. And that's kind of what I'm seeing here from the first few episodes of Andor. And so I recommend for me to get out there and watch this. These are it, it's you're looking at over two hours, I think, or close to a or where to be honest with you, not a whole bunch happens. You know, in a movie, they would usually do this within, you know, five minutes where they've taken quite a bit of time, hour and a half hour, 45, whatever it is to actually stretch this out until a pretty deep first arc inside of what I'm assuming is potentially four arcs over, 12 episodes here that we're going to get. So we're going to get Andor episodes all the way through the end of November. So Star Wars is back, baby. And it's exciting. It's exciting to see more of this Disney Plus Star Wars being kind of put out there. And that we're getting some pretty long running shows inside of Disney Plus. And I I just love it. I am happy to be talking about Andor and happy to be talking about Star Wars again. And and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'd love to hear what you guys thought about Andor, if you're seeing the same things as me, if you're finding the same level of engagement, or if there's, if there's something off about it. Is it too slow burn to Is it? Is it not enough force? Is it not enough Star Wars in there for you, right? There's, there's not a whole bunch of nods to the wide universe. And I know, and myself included, a lot of people love that. But this show looks like it's going to be relatively conservative up until likely a point where they aren't going to rely on the iconography of Star Wars to kind of be the draw. They want the story to be the draw and the character to be the draw. And I think they're going to get there. I really do. So I love these first three episodes. would love to hear what you guys have to think. And the only thing I'm going to touch on this week, it's going to be a short one, is sticking with Disney+, Plus. is going back to D23. A couple weeks ago, of course, we had the big D23 conference where Disney, of course, laid out a whole bunch of, of very interesting and diverse set of not only drops on Disney Plus itself, but also reveals from things like the MCU, with the Secret Invasion trailer. We've got a lot of things from Star Wars, and we're going to keep it Star Wars, because i got to talk about, of course, this Mandalorian Season 3 trailer. So going back to San Diego Comic-Con, was it, I believe? I can't quite remember. They did discuss, maybe it was Celebration, where they showed a trailer for Mandalorian Season 3, and it looks like we're getting a piece of that at least here from D23 from the Expo that just passed here. And, and, you know, I've had quite a few watches of this because Mandalorian Season 3, or whatever you want to call it, I guess we had Season 2.5 inside of the Book of Boba Fett, so picking up from a lot of the threads there and running head-on into this much larger Mandalorian arc that we have seen. You know, the Lone Gunslinger played out in Episode or season one, we had a lot more of the force pieces playing out in season two. And it looks like they're shifting gear and picking up more on the Dave Filoni threads and picking up on the the wider Mandalorian lore, as well as the story that they are building up in here with the likes of Bo-Katan and what happened to, to Mandalore. And so I'm not super versed or familiar inside of all the lore that comes with that. I've seen parts of Clone Wars, and of course I've watched Rebels, and so I do have a good feel for what has happened in the past, but I'm really excited for them to explore more, and that really looks like what they're going to do here by showing what looks to be the aftermath, and excuse me if I'm getting the, the planet wrong, Mandalorian or the Mandalore, and the importance of the Darksaber and what it means for... For the Mandalorian himself, of course, and Grogu. We're getting to see a kind of a lot, a lot of looks here at at different types of Mandalorian, and it's going to be interesting to see where they take this season. Because you know, last season we spent a lot of the a lot of it with the Force. It was is quite important to see how things developed, and they did spend quite a bit of time in the Book of Boba Fett, really setting the scene for almost relinquishing a bit of that. Grogu Force story, where he has clearly made a choice to be with the Mandalorian and to almost put aside the Force piece of that story. And I think that's what those two episodes were about. It was about making a choice is that we couldn't have a foot in both worlds for season three here, so we need to decide. And Grogu is going to be maybe somewhat of a tag along here, and maybe not as much of the focal point of this. So he's going to provide those moments, but it's not going to be more explicitly about the forest, luke skywalker ahsoka you know we're gonna get that in her show and i think they really wanted to pivot hard into the mandalorian piece of it and that's what this trailer is showing I me mean, it looks very very exciting 2023 hopefully the early part of 23 we get to see this on disney plus the streaming there that it does give the tag at the end so looks like they're well into production on this and star wars is is hitting guys star wars is back and it looks like we're gonna get back-to-back banger episodes or banger seasons of, of two very, very different shows. And I would love to hear, again, like I said before, what you guys think about what's going on with Star Wars on Disney Plus. I know there's a lot of disappointment around what could have been or what is gonna happen with Lucasfilm, Star Wars in particular on the big screen, you know, with Indiana Jones coming and and not. Any line of sight to any major big screen adaptations of Star Wars stories, it is going to be a letdown for those looking for that piece of it and looking for that baseline for Star Wars. But I really do think that that Lucasfilm is going to concentrate a ton of efforts here on Disney Plus because I think this is where they can be successful in the relative short term. I, I think there's a lot of of thinking about how stories can be successful. Again, on the big screen, post-Force Awakens, Lucasfilm, everyone really thought that Star Wars was absolutely bulletproof and that you could put Star Wars on literally anything and it would sell and the masses would eat up, gobble it up, and they don't seem to be able to have that same sort of audience level of complete and utter buy-in on every product, that the MCU does. The MCU seems to be the anomaly of this story, and it's not about Star Wars or MCU or DC or whatever. Is that the audience, for whatever reason, will buy into anything the MCU and Star Wars doesn't have that same leeway, the same with DC. And so they're finding their footing, they're finding their ground, and I think Disney Plus is a great way for them to explore, but explore in a way where they can fail fast. They can They can fail at something and turn around and try something else. You know, they're not failing on the big screen with all the eyes on them. And I think the first film that comes back to the big screen for Star Wars and Lucasfilm has got to be an absolute monster, but also tell a story that that feels deserving of that big screen, that feels epic enough to match that of the Skywalker saga without being the Skywalker saga. So Star Wars is a very interesting place here guys. I'm going to enjoy what we have. On the small screen here, I'm going to enjoy the fact that we get Star Storytelling for the next, what is it, nine weeks? And then not too far after that, probably just after Christmas, we're going to get another six to eight weeks of The Mandalorian Season 3. There's just so much coming here, guys, in Star Wars, and and I really want to focus on that that positive piece of it all. And so, really excited about Star Wars, if you cannot tell. I'm really excited to get back on the mics here, too. You know, it has been a, a hectic, to say the least couple of months here in the nerd room and right when we thought things were starting to calm down myself my family and everyone gets sick and we'll get there guys we'll get there guys this is kind of the the starter we tried to kick up and do something a little different here and we have unable to find our footing just because of uh, the chaos of life but as the winter months approach here in canada and as things like andor settle us down and as we get to a place where we feel, again, comfortable with the consistency. It'll be in the feed here, whether it's just me, just Carlos, or both of us, and the toy stream over on YouTube. You know, we're really looking forward to kicking that up and talking some more toys. We've been doing some acquisitions. i have been doing a lot of selling. And so I'm excited to kind of express that piece of the Nerd Room again. So guys, that's all for today. Andor and a bit of Mando talk. Get out there and watch Andor and let me know what you think. You can always be a part of this or give your feedback. What you're thinking about Andor by email is the Nerdim at gmail.com. You can find myself on Twitter. Handles are at the end of the episode. You can also find everything we do of the Nerdroom.net and YouTube. This is a place where we're gonna focus. Ian has been absolutely killing it. He has been the foundation of YouTube over the last couple of months, and he is putting up banger after banger video bringing us into his world and and showing us how he experiences nerd through collections and through just nice little vlogs it, it's, it's wonderful content so go over there to the nerd room it's the nerd room studios actually is the the handle at the end on on youtube there and, and check out some of that content that supplements this stuff nicely and so we're back, guys, just like Star Wars, the Nerd is back, and hopefully we're back in a more consistent capacity here. And, and look to next week, next Thursday, to have a, a new episode where we're going to try our detours, where we're not going to do so much the new stuff. We're going to talk about something more specific, and we're going to try to see if we can get some guests on and uh, and just have uh, go back to the roots a little bit and, and pick a topic, and we're just going to muse about that. So with all that being said, guys, I look forward to getting back in the mics and talking to you and sharing and experiencing not really nerd with you, but more specifically, Star Wars. So until next week, for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. This has been a Nerd Room podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at the TroyTheBoy87, Sunjabby, and CDN, R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out the Nerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.